This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as we find it in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, and as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you'd like to read along, you can find that on page 562 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses, what is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, one of the first missionaries of the Christian faith in the time of Paul's work was named Epaphras. Colossians 1 verse 7 reveals that Epaphras told the Colossians about the gospel of Jesus Christ and after being with them for some time, it seems like he had come to join Paul again. And so in the final words of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, Paul reveals that Epaphras did not or had not lost his love for the converts in Colossae even after he left them. And then we read that very important verse, chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. When we look closely at this verse, we can see that Epaphras was praying about the will of God, as we also find this in the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. In this context, it is important to recognize the connection that Paul makes between standing firm in the will of God and being mature and fully assured. When we pray the petition, your will be done, we do this with a desire to be mature, to be fully assured in the faith. To put it another way, we want to be obedient to God's will so that we can be mature and assured in our faith, that the two are, are connected. And at the same time, Epaphras' prayer in Colossians 4 verse 12 does not suggest that we have never obeyed God's will because he prayed that believers might stand firm or, or remain in the will of God. The prayer is that the church might remain in the will of God. And we see in this verse an important connection to Jesus' obedience in this prayer and in the third petition. And even as we pray that God's will be done, we must do so remembering the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ who obeyed the will of God for us and in our place. The Lord Jesus taught us to pray this and, and he was in the center as the one who did it perfectly. 
The third petition is spoken by Christians who have been saved by grace and who desire to express their thankfulness even as we, we sang in Psalm 40, stanzas 2 and 3. We, we desire to do the will of God. It is our delight. And so we pray the third petition. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. We pray that we may stand firm in all the will of God. We will see the excellence of God's will, the example of the angels, and the expectation in our prayer. What do we exactly mean when we talk about the will of God? On several occasions, we read of God's will as something that is unknown to man. Paul shows that his plans for the future are conditional when he says, like we also sometimes say, we say that he will do something if it is God's will. You can see that, for example, in Acts 18, verse 21. It is clear that Paul did not know the will of God for his future in that exact moment, but he knew that God is sovereign and would providentially direct his life. And he entrusted his life to God saying, you know, use me to do your will, whatever that may be. And when we speak about God's will in this way, it is called the secret or the hidden will of God. It has to do with God's providence and the ultimate and his ultimate sovereignty, what he planned for the world and what is behind the historical events in our lives. Now, when we look at Epiphras' prayer, and if we look at the life and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ about prayer, it does not seem very likely that when we pray, O oh Lord, your will be done, that we are praying about God's secret will, about that plan that he has that no one knows for the future. Because our desire to see God carry out his, his good secret will is already expressed in the second petition when we pray, your kingdom come. It's unlikely that in such a concise prayer, our Lord Jesus would ask us to ask for the same thing twice in a row. All this leads us to conclude that in the third petition, we are expressing our desire, our desire, to be faithful and obedient to God's revealed will. That is, we are praying that we might be obedient to everything that God has shown us that he wants to see everything that he has called us to do. Jesus Christ taught us that it is possible to know the will of God and to obey it. He says in Matthew 12, verse 50, that whoever does the will of his Father in heaven, that person is Christ's brother and his sister and his mother. The Lord Jesus also showed that it is possible to do the will of God, when he kept the law perfectly for us and in our place. And so in his prayer for the Colossians, where he had been a missionary, where he had worked to preach the gospel, Epiphras recognized that the church would reach maturity and that, that beautiful state of being fully assured only when they stood firm in all the will of God. 
The Bible says that we must do what God wants us to do, which he has revealed to us in the Bible. God wants every man to carry out the duties of his office and calling here on the earth. God wants us to enjoy all the riches of the world that he has made. He wants us to walk in the most excellent way so so we can celebrate that he is our God and we are his people. He created us to serve him faithfully by obeying his commands, by loving him, by loving our neighbor as ourself. And when we realize how God made us, that's what makes us want to say, oh Father, may your will be done on the earth. When your will is being done, then things go well. Then things go according to the way you have made them. Now we might ask, well, why are we asking to be obedient to the law? If we are saved by grace alone and not by law, why do we still desire to keep the law? And that's why we read Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, demonstrates the great reward for people who walk in obedience to the commands of the law. We read it there. When you... Obey God's will when you live according to the commandments. It revives your soul. When you obey the commands, it makes the simple wise. It gives joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. The law reflects the glory of our perfect God here on the earth and his grace to his creatures who really want to know how to satisfy their longings, their deepest longings while they live here on the earth, to to live in peace with God, live in peace in the world that God has made. When Christ taught us to pray that we might be obedient to the law and to stand firm in, in all the will of God, he was teaching us to ask for the very best possible thing that we could have. He said, ask for the most. Ask for the best possible thing for yourself, that God's will be done, that you do God's will. It is good for us to obey the will of God. It's also good for every creature. When we pray that God's will be done on earth, we are also praying, and you can see that in our confession, it's, it's clear and it's publicly displayed. We pray that we and all men obey God's will and that everyone might fulfill the duties of his office and calling. As believers, we are not inwardly focused And so we pray in the most broad and far-reaching way possible that the government might submit to God's revealed will, that those who are enslaved and imprisoned by other religions might submit to God's will, that those who have rejected the gospel of salvation might repent in submission to God's will that those who have never heard the word of truth might hear and repent, believe and submit, that, that more people may share in the riches that we have. 
When we pray your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are thinking about the world. Not just that the world should do things like we want to see them done, but that everyone follows the will of God as he has revealed this in scriptures. That is why it's so important to hear the preaching of the gospel. That is why it's so important we want everyone to, to believe and submit because we believe sincerely that God's will is the only good will. So what does obedience look like? The Lord Jesus tells us to lift up our eyes and to look to the heavens, to see the example of the angels. When the Lord Jesus commanded us to pray this petition, he, sh he said that we should pray with a reference to heaven as well. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus compares earth and heaven and reveals that God's will is done in heaven, but it is not done here on the earth. The Catechism explains that the obedience of the angels and heavenly beings who minister before the throne of God, that is an example for us. We can see this especially in Psalm 103 and, and we sang this psalm together. We, we, looked, we lifted our eyes up to, to heaven and we were looking at the angels in verses 20 to 21, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. In these verses, the Holy Spirit makes it clear that the heavenly beings do the Lord's bidding. They obey his word. All the murmurers, those who murmur, and all the rebels have been thrown out of heaven. And those who remain are those who serve the Lord according to his will and according to his word. And they are eager to do so. When they obey the Lord, the angels and heavenly beings are doing the things that they most want to do. When they are obeying God's will, they're doing exactly what they love doing most. And they can do everything that they want to because it all glorifies God. The freedom that comes from keeping God's law and doing his will, it fills the heavenly beings with an ongoing desire to walk in his paths and to continue to obey his commands willingly and faithfully. And Jesus said that's an example for us. And when we lift up our eyes and we see that obedience of, of the angels in heaven doing everything they want to because everything they want to is God's will, that's what we want. We desire to obey in this way. We want to obey as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven, so we pray the third petition. And as we study the heavenly situation, we can also see that each angel is busy with his own task and his own calling. We read of several different tasks in Scripture. For example, one angel received the extremely difficult task 
of killing the firstborn of Egypt. Others were responsible for getting Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before it was destroyed. An angel was given the task of confronting Balaam, who was riding his donkey on that road. He, got, he met the angel on that narrow pass. At other times, angels had the joyful task of announcing births or speaking words of praise about the birth of our long-awaited shepherd or savior to the shepherds in the field around Bethlehem. God reveals the names of some angels so we know that they are individual beings before the Lord and God placed some angels in authority over others. And yet in spite of all of these different roles and responsibilities, these different offices and callings, all of them obey God's perfect will without murmuring and complaining. They all coexist in perfect harmony. In the third petition, with our eyes looking to heaven, we pray for the same obedience in our specific calling and our specific office in this life. We pray that we also may exist in perfect harmony with the other creatures that God has made us as all of us faithfully try to live according to the instruction manual that God gave us in the Ten Commandments. And then you could think about your office, your calling in this life. You might be thinking of your job. You might be thinking of your position in the family. You might be thinking of your position in the church. Those are all different offices and callings. Might be child, might be parent, might be a student, might be a teacher. We think of the, the angels and everyone living in perfect harmony, loving God and loving their neighbors. And that's what we pray for. But as we pray this petition and we confess the words of the catechism, the question arises, uh, can we possibly be like the angels? Our Lord Jesus himself made a distinction between man and angels. How can we sinners possibly obey God's will like the angels do? Can we really expect what we are praying for? The angels obey willingly and faithfully, but the inclination of our hearts is to go against the will of God. We can really mean it when we say, I'm no angel. Who could obey willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven? What do we expect from God when we pray this third petition? The grace of God also revealed clearly in the prayer of Epiphras for the Colossians is that all who believe in Jesus Christ share in Christ's Jesus' obedience. The Bible makes a point of talking repeatedly and showing the obedience of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that Jesus Christ fulfilled all righteousness. 
In Hebrews 5, verses 8 to 9, we read that although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the eternal, the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. In John 4, verse 34, the Lord Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ obeyed the law perfectly for everyone who believes in him. And we can say that every Christian who believes in Jesus Christ also shares in his work and in what he has done. His obedience is our obedience. And although you pray that you may obey God's will together with all men, you do so knowing that your salvation does not depend on your merits and your goodness, but completely on Christ Jesus' obedience. And everyone who believes that has been made a new creation, new creatures. We have a strong desire to live worthy of the calling we have received like new creatures. By God's grace, we want to stand firm in God's will. And when we study his word, God hears our prayers and he helps us by the Holy Spirit to begin to follow Christ Jesus' example. Since we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we have very high expectations. When we pray, O oh Lord, may I do your will. The gospel message permeates our prayer. It permeates our expectations. If Christ has done this for me and I have his Holy Spirit, I have high expectations when I pray your will be done. We pray knowing that we can and we will continue to be different from the world who does not know Jesus Christ. We do not pray as if we do not have any hope, but we pray as those who can see a beginning. You could even say that in the church, we can sometimes see an obedience that is similar to the angel's obedience. It's willing and it's faithful. Jesus Christ, perfect obedience changes the meaning of the petition for us. In him, we can do all things. In him, our heart is changed so that we begin to pray this petition with confidence. Not because we are so strong, not because we have the strength to do this, to be like angels, but because God is almighty and he is strong. And that's why we lift up our eyes in prayer to God, isn't it? That's why we ask him to support us, to, to live in us, to lead us, to guide us, to, to show us the way. Those aren't just words, but God himself dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. We can pray with joy, with confidence, with certainty in the power of God. Where can you see Christians doing the will of God? What does that look like? When Christians are mature and fully assured in their faith and obedience in Christ Jesus. 
This morning we saw how the goal of the church is that growth, that changing from a baby into a man. And in that change, we see even children learning to sit in church to, to hear the Word of God. We see the, the work of God and the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And then the Holy Spirit explains in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, when you walked into church, you saw it on the wall, displayed, be joyful always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, you see how Jesus Christ changes your life? God's will for you in Christ Jesus is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It is to live your life with joy, to live your life immersed in God's word, studying, growing, loving your Savior more and more. When we pray this petition, we are praying that the, the rebellion in our hearts will be thrown out. The murmuring. And children can think maybe a little bit of school. Sometimes you hear things and you have this inclination to murmur, to grumble a little bit. Sometimes we're working. We have to be told to do something and as employees, it's, it's, we, we murmur. That's a, a rebellion. There's envy, there's arrogance. We pray, Lord, no. May your will be done. We desire the opposite of rebellion. We express this desire in the third petition when we pray for the fulfillment of the law in our lives and in our country. We pray for harmony and peace and love between all men everywhere in the world. How much more in the church? We ask God that we may experience the, the blessings of the law that we read in Psalm 19 so that we live in peace with our neighbor, that our spirits are, are revived that we love the, the Lord like we see the sweetness of the law like honey. Oh, that our lives may be characterized with, by this hunger and this thirst for righteousness. Oh, that, that we might read God's word hungrily every day as we urgently seek to, to see how we can show our humble thankfulness for Christ's work in our lives. How we desire to do, put everything in our, we do in our office and calling to the test of God's will as it's revealed in his word. Whether as parents, children in the home, as students in school, as citizens of this country and the workforce, we think, how am I doing God's will in this? That's my desire. And so we pray, oh Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know 
God's will from reading the scriptures. We know the gospel of Christ Jesus' obedience. And the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray for exactly what we are desiring, a life of praise and thankfulness instead of a life of negative criticism and murmuring. Nothing is more tiring than hearing a rich man with a loving family and a successful life complaining and murmuring and repeatedly criticizing everything. And how sinful it is when God's own family, who has been graciously granted forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus Christ, how sinful it is when they spend all their time murmuring when they are called to live as sons and daughters of the Most High God. If you truly desire what you pray for in the third petition, you will desire to carry out your office and calling willingly, faithfully, and joyfully with God's word and will in your minds. May you stand firm in all the will of God as you ask him to lead you by the Spirit so that you can do exactly that. May the Lord who considered Christ's obedience to be your obedience, may he also be the one who leads you as you keep in step with the Spirit, with your Bibles open and your hearts directed to heaven, praying for that help that you need. O Father in heaven, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.